0: I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. It is evening time, and I'm sitting here, as you can tell, at the keyboard, at my piano, and I felt inspired. I felt inspired to make this podcast because, interestingly, and I think I'll just keep playing a little bit as I'm as I'm speaking to you. Last night I made my first podcast sitting here at the piano. Inspired by the feeling I had in the quiet of the evening and the feeling that I was really taken back to my early years likewise sitting at the piano in the quiet of the evening back home where I grew up Dobbs Ferry, New York, a beautiful river town on the Hudson River. And the living room where our piano was, this beautiful Steinway Grand, overlooked the Hudson. And it Was this beautiful black backyard. The trees I described last night, the maple swaying in the breeze, the poplars reaching towards the sky, the oak tree that sheltered the house with its long branches, as if it was protecting the place where I lived. And in the backyard, was sort of sloped down in the wintertime you could sled down that little slope and it was fun and in the spring and summer the grass would become green and lilies of the valley would carpet parts of the lawn So last night when I was here at home in my new home, 11,000 miles away in Australia on the coast of the Pacific in this place very different, I was struck by how similar nonetheless the quiet of the evening felt. That was always the time I loved playing most, really, you know, in the evening time. I mentioned how I would (laughs) sort of later, with a smile, sort of think, well, you know, maybe that's when the angels and the muses had finished their shopping and finished all of their errands, and there they were, kind of ready to inspire me. And I would play, my fingers would travel along the keys with a kind of free abandon as they are now. I've been doing this for half a century, dear listener, and it's amazing how time can collapse. Past becomes present, present becomes past. And in some sense, you know, there's kind of no time. No distance. I could be looking out into the night garden into the darkness feeling the spring breezes wafting in through the lead glass windows it was a beautiful house dear listener I was I grew up in a beautiful house it was brick and Tudor style and the floors inside were oak doors were oak and all of the windows were lead glass leaded light, lead light windows it had a very special feel to it and the land around it had a very special feel Last night, you know, after I made that podcast for the first time sitting at the piano while I did it, I posted it. I wrote that I titled Haven, and that Haven has several meanings for me. It's this place, Australia, it's my childhood home, the ways that i just described to you and it's the man that i think of and love so i send this out to him again it's a little dedication here in the midst of my speaking to you dear listener but yes My childhood home was a haven. More than I realized, you know, back then. I wonder if you've had a similar feeling where maybe years later you realize, you know, how much parts of your childhood actually meant to you, places that you went or where you lived might have meant to you. was posting that podcast you know I was online and I just thought to myself as a kind of tangential thing (laughs) that I would google my name specifically because I wanted to know that if anyone around here now where I'm living searched for a piano teacher in my locale if they would in fact find me I I was specifically looking to see if that was the case. And what I found was actually something very unexpected. I found my name linked article in the New York Times. Now, I had no recollection of ever having appeared in the New York Times or having been mentioned in the New York Times, which is, of course, arguably New York's most esteemed and venerable newspaper and perhaps one of the world's certainly one of America's most respected newspapers. So I was really curious what that was about, why that happened, you know, what was it, what was it? So I clicked in. And it was an archived article dated from April 4th, 1977. and it was written by a man named Robert Sherman who was one of the times music critics and columnists at that time and he has been in the business of music broadcasting writing you know critique oh my gosh probably for 70 years almost, I would say. But back then, you know, he was a um, major columnist for writer for the New York Times in the field of music. So I clicked into this, you know, really wondering what... And what it was, dear listener, was an article about music competitions in Westchester County which is where I grew up a suburb of New York and he talked about having sat in on some of the major piano and instrumental music competitions at that time several of which I entered and competed in, specifically concerto competitions where I would play. You see, a concerto is where you've got a solo instrument and the backdrop of the orchestra. listener, if you don't know it, is the theme from the second movement of Mozart's Piano Concerto Number no. 21. And I first heard that theme because it was used as the soundtrack for one of the most romantic, beautiful, evocative movies. I think I've ever seen, which was called Elvira Madigan. A Swedish film, a love story, kind of a tragic love story. And I remember my mom putting it on I guess, or maybe it was playing on TV at that time. There were so many less choices than there are now in terms of how people view it in movies, but I don't think it was in the theater that I saw it. I think it was at home. And that's when I first heard that theme. In our living room. I was perhaps 13 at the time. And dear listener, when I heard that theme, it was like I heard the music of heaven. was so beautiful, it was a complete, unforgettable experience. I went to my teacher at my piano lesson the next week, you know, and I said to her, I said, I heard the most beautiful music. I feel like I have to learn it. And she said, well, that sounds interesting. She said that music occurs in the context of 52 pages of music written by Mozart as a concerto for the piano and orchestra, and I think you can do that second movement, which is the slow movement that I just played for you." She said, but there's a lot of very tough, fast, technically challenging music as part of that grand piece, that concerto. But you know, dear listener, the thing was that the beauty of this made me doubtless. I would do anything to learn it. And everything that went along with it. And you know, my teacher was very wonderful because she didn't stop me. She didn't She was right there and said, all right, let's do it. 52 pages of music, okay? And that beautiful slow movement is the middle section. So just if you don't know, a concerto is usually three movements, a fast movement at the beginning, you know, a slow, beautiful, melodic, interlude, you could say, in the middle, and then something quite fast and wonderful at the end. So this was sandwiched, (laughs) was like on either side of this beautiful melody, and the second movement, which this is, was all this technically demanding, which I'm not going to play right now because I'm not going to be able to talk with you if I do. (laughs) I can do the slow movement for you, but um, anyway, so my teacher said, okay, here we go, and we did. We started learning the whole thing. We started bit by bit. I was 13, I think, or 14 when I started learning that, you know, having been inspired by that gorgeous, gorgeous movie and the music that went with it. And it took me at least two years to learn the whole concerto, 52 pages. I was 16 by then. And my teacher sort of thought to herself, well, you know, she she kind of presented the idea to me, why don't I maybe, because I think she was happy with, how much I'd accomplished and she felt like I might be able to do this. So she suggested that I enter some concerto competitions. Now what that means is that I actually audition this before a panel of judges competing against other instrumentalists, other pianists. You know, I was in the latter part of high school And so I thought, okay, you know, I'll give it a go. And so I entered these competitions and went in playing this gorgeous melody. And I was nervous, but my teacher was right there. In fact, we would play at two pianos together and she would play the orchestral part and I would play the piano part. And it was this marvelous, marvelous, incredible duet so last night dear listener when I found that article in the New York Times written by a man named Robert Sherman who whose name I remember very well from back then he was also a commentator sort of like a disc jockey if you can call that for classical music at New York City's most um you know, well-known classical music radio station, which is called WQXR. He was on WQXR all the time, and he wrote for the New York Times. And what I found out last night, unbeknownst to me, 42 years ago, was that he was sitting behind that panel of judges as I was playing my concerto Competing for the honor of playing with a live orchestra, performing with an orchestra if I won. I had no idea he was there. I, I knew that there were other judges there and I knew who some of them were, but. Here I am in Australia having found the article that he wrote after he saw me and the other contestants play that spring in 1977. And he described my playing, dear listener, in a way that I would have to say is perfect to my aspiration. He described it as warmly, Sensitive, and you know, I think all these years later, that quality is really what I endeavor to bring forth. Yes, there's power in music. Yes, there's power, right? That you can create in this incredible instrument called the piano. But in the end, this is what I tell all my students So last night here, 42 years later, 11,000 miles away, in a place very different, time became the past, let's say the past and present, dissolved. And I was brought back to those moments of performing in those competitions two, principally two concerto competitions, the ones that he mentioned. One of them I became runner, I was chosen as runner-up. And uh, and the other one I won. And um, I have to say that uh, as a result of winning, I was able to play with one of the orchestras in that area, and that was an incredible, incredible thing. And my teacher, years later, would always say how wonderful it was because you know i chose this beautiful white dress to play to perform and when i got up onto the stage concert grand piano right the orchestra behind me i realized that <laughs> to really really pedal well you know pedaling in in key in um pedaling in piano playing is part of the art of it and I realized when I got up in front of the audience that afternoon Sunday afternoon with the orchestra there that the shoes that I had on which were these sort of wonderful kind of heeled shoes were simply not going to work so there I was sitting there and I just kicked them off and played barefoot and my beloved teacher to this day recounts that I played Mozart's piano concerto number no. 21 in this beautiful flowing white dress barefoot, and maybe that was perfect because maybe that was really like the feeling of the movie that I'd seen a few years back that inspired me to play this beautiful music in the first place and those two lovers you know who featured in that beautiful film and how they would run in the grass together barefoot so all this came back to me dear listener last night because I found that article written by this man named Robert Sherman, who had been there at those auditions that I played at 42 years ago. And it's like it all came back to me. And you know, I have to say that last night and this morning I've had some moments of tears because it's very poignant to remember so vividly, something like that from your past. Maybe you've had an experience like that, you know. But boy, did it come forward for me so unexpectedly and so vividly. These precious moments of playing in these auditions. Life is interesting, isn't it? I remember that like it was yesterday. And there's this article written by this man who was there. He saw me and he's still alive. He must be in his late 80s now, I think. So, you know, it all came full circle for me in the last kind of 24 hours. And this feeling of playing in the beauty and the quiet of the evening. with the sense of the past and my own background and what happened all those years ago like it's yesterday in Dobbs Ferry, New York, sitting at my Steinway with the windows open and the breeze blowing and the maple swaying in the dark, the darkness this, I just think, wow, life is grand, poignant and beautiful. of the night.